Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space with a specific focus on folks who identify as women. Welcome to Your Highness Podcast. This is your host, Diana Crash, and today I am joined by, once again, <laughs> for the second part of our series, um, Danielle Simone Brand. She is an author extraordinaire and a bunch of other things, which I didn't realize until I started reading her book. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad saying just author, but that's not, not just author. Author is amazing. Um, author, writer, incredible writer. Um, her book is coming out at the end of this month, and it is called Weed Mom, The Can of Curious Woman's Guide to Healthier Relaxation, Happier Parenting, and Chilling the Freep Out. That's right. <laughs> we though, so it's okay. You don't have to bleep anything on this one. Um, <laughs> hi, Danielle. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. Such a blast last time. Happy to be here again. I am so excited. Uh, we're going to continue the complex but very exciting conversation about parenting and cannabis and the many uh, layers that are involved in that conversation. But before we start with that, we're going to do the segment that I do every episode, and that's called Fave Pot, Fave Not Pot, where we talk about our favorite cannabis-related thing at the moment and our favorite not cannabis-related thing. So I'm going to start. My Fave Pot item right now is um, the brand is Incredibles. And they make these little edible gummies. They're summer peach flavored. And they're 10 milligrams a piece. Um, they're delicious. And <laughs> they <laughs> That's work important. Yes. And they work really quickly. And they dissolve quickly. So I'm a fan. I'm not saying that I'm endorsing the brand necessarily. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you could. I could. <laughs> <laughs> exactly just put it out there why not yeah you know where i'm going with this danielle that's why you're gonna be my eventual co-host one of these days <laughs> is it thc it is it's um 10 milligrams of thc per lozenge they call them lozenges i think here but they're very good uh, sounds, just yeah. sounds perfect yeah so what's yours well so i'm a flower woman, I was going to say flower girl, but I'm a flower woman. <laughs> and I, I really just prefer to smoke flower. That's my, you know, absolute hands down preferred method of intake. And my recent uh, discovery new strain is Mac four. Have you tried is miracle alien cookies Four? <laughs> no, very specific. And, um, you know, there are dozens, hundreds of strains, so it's hard to keep up. But this one is classified as a hybrid. Of course, we know everything these days is pretty much a hybrid anyway. Um, but for me, it's just like this perfect mind-body high, not too much THC, about 19% probably, and I'm I'm feeling it. Nice. I, yeah. I like that. You're, you're not in the same state as I am, though, so I don't know if I can 
check that out, but I'll see if I can find it here, something close to it. Um, so my fave not pot thing was going to be the flight attendant on HBO, which I highly recommend. It's definitely a good brain emptier, you know, <laughs> if you need something to distract <laughs> yourself. Don't we all? <laughs> yes. Um, and HBO knows that right now. Let me tell you, they're putting out some quality programming right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. But it wouldn't be anything without watching it with my husband to be extra cheesy and, uh, <laughs> I, I am more excited about the fact that he finally has vacation this week. Um, so that is my fave, not pot thing, that my husband will be with me all week. And, um, yeah, I finally get to spend some some quality time, which has been very rare <laughs> this year. Yeah, uh, he, He's just been working crazy, crazy hours. So, okay. yeah, I'm excited about that. So what's your favorite not pot that sounds awesome, by the way. I'm, I'm yeah. stoked for you guys, um, especially having a little one at home. You need a break. You need Great. to share the load. Um, so my my fave not pot thing this week is the video game Just Dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've done it before. It's uh, We have an Xbox that we only got because of the pandemic because, you know, video games have to be my kids' parents right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. But <laughs> generally speaking, it's just such a tough time. Um and my kids are eight and 11, so they don't play per se with like, you know, pretend play is, you know, much less these days. And we still need to find ways to like connect and have fun together. And Just Dance is super fun. It's something that we, me and my kids do all together. And, you know, it's it's competitive, but like we don't really use it as, as a, a way to compete. We just use it as like a way to have fun and actually move our bodies in this, you know, time when mm -hmm. we're not leaving the house very much. And uh, we tend to sit on the couch a lot. <laughs> so... It's been nice. That's amazing. I actually really um, advocate that game because I think I, I, I'm, you know, generally pretty anti video game. Not, not, you know, like I have any specific dance. I just, <laughs> I'm just not into video games. So, yeah. um, but the, the dancing one is so much fun and it's such a workout. So, and, totally. and your kids are at that age where it is kind of difficult to find something. I think we, but we have that, we are, we're both in like age brackets that are kind of difficult because it's like either too old or not old enough uh, for a lot of things. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I have said though, I have to say that to be in a pandemic, to have an eight year old and an 11 year old has been a real blessing. Like this is kind mm -hmm. of a sweet spot in terms of like, they're not little babies. They don't need help with every single thing, but they're not like moody teens who, you know, are just angry all the time. Either. Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm lucky in that respect, but yeah, finding those like little ways to play can be tough. So it's just one little thing we have now. Eight is a good age, isn't it? I think that that eight's my favorite number. And I just <laughs> think that I remember being really like, you know, happy with being eight. It's pretty awesome. My, my daughter does it pretty well, I have to say. That's so cool. <laughs> um, so we're going to continue, like I said before, our series on parenting and cannabis. And today we're going to talk about conversations with kids. Um, it's very difficult to know where to start, especially when we as adults have to unlearn so many things before we can really change the way we talk about it. I mean, I'm always constantly unlearning. I, I know you are as well, Danielle. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to figure out a way to navigate. So 
What was the most surprising thing you found when discussing um, how people talk to their kids about cannabis with your book? Well, honestly, the most surprising thing to me was just how much it varies. Um, you know, how kid, how parents' comfort with talking about cannabis with their kids varies, and there's so many factors involved. And I know we we touched on this last time, but stuff like where they live, including if they're in a medical-only state or a recreational state or a prohibition state, that makes a big deal, a big difference. Um, what kind of user they are, um, you know, their job and co-parenting situation. And that last one actually makes a huge difference too, because if, you know, when I spoke to moms who were co-parenting with an ex who was hostile, um, there is a very different uh, atmosphere in terms of them being able to speak about cannabis freely, right? Yes. Um, so there's that. Um, obviously, if they've had interactions with CPS in the past, that makes a huge difference. Um, so just, you know, a lot of things, family approval and disapproval and how they were raised, um, those are all factors that, you know, that made a... a an appearance in my research. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, that is there are so many, so many things to think about, and custody is a very big factor in the conversation process. I feel, mm -hmm. um, but then you have that, you know, that struggle of wanting to be honest with your child, while at the same time having to edit yourself because of outward um, possible danger, you know, to, to your whole, your livelihood, your safety, uh, and your family, your family, you know, custody arrangement, uh, your familial security, all of it. I mean, it's just all at stake. And so these things, it's a very heavy conversation. <laughs> and yeah, it's one it potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, and it can be something that you have to do several times. Um, Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and I should say, I, I would add that, you know, the the travesty of prohibition has just, you know, added so much weight and worry to, um, you know, to these moms lives where you know, the conversation could be so different if it weren't for prohibition. If, if people if moms weren't afraid of losing custody of their kids or losing their job for being outspoken about, you know, benefiting from this plant, um, right. it, we would just we would be in a completely different boat right now. Right. Right. And, you know, there is a lot of privilege with being able to have the conversation to begin with in a, in a um, safe environment. I mean, there really is. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but, you know, it, it has to do with so many things, including skin color. Absolutely. You know, white mothers are much less likely to be hassled by CPS or, you know, have oh, their yeah. cases pursued. And, you know, moms of color have to be so much more careful in this country right now when it comes to cannabis and kids. Yes, I've written about it several times and I will continue to and we will talk about it more in this podcast. Um, there is a lot to dive into when you're talking about children's or custody and um, children's protective services or whatever it's called in your state, um, you know, state government run agencies that are basically unchecked with their authority. And the fact that black women and brown women, black women especially though, are called, um, people call on CPS with suspicion of cannabis for black mothers more than they do. It's like 50% more than they do with white mothers. And I've read about cases where women who were just sitting in the hospital, um, they had a case open because 
they uh, a nurse smelled the purse or smelled something coming off of them, you know, mm-hmm. they just for smell that they couldn't even guarantee was on them or of, you know, a, a product of them or whatever, however you mm-hmm. want to word it, you know. Um, so that definitely, you know, it's all like you said, we'll talk about it later. And there are a lot there's a lot to deal with in that regard. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot to tackle. Um, That's for sure. So it's like, where do we start? Uh, Well, one thing that I think about a lot is how do you approach the conversation about CBD versus THC? Like for parents who give CBD to their children, you know, how do you explain the difference of that? Because um, I've written about that as well. And I know that is, is a loaded topic in itself, giving CBD to your children. Yes, it is. It is. And in the book, I, I don't cover that in, in much detail because it's really about, you know, cannabis literacy for moms and consumption for moms. But I do have a chapter that briefly addresses, you know, what the medical, you know, accepted medical uses or maybe not accepted because everything is still in flux right now, but the common medical uses um, of CBD and THC for kids. But of course, under, you know, the, the care of a cannabis professional, um, and so generally speaking, when, when I spoke, for instance, when I spoke to my kids about, about cannabis in general, I did break down CBD and THC. And I said, basically, they're different parts of the plant, so to speak. You know, I didn't get into sort of molecular, molecular structure or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I said that these different parts, THC and CBD, have different effects on people. Um, you know, both of them have some medical uses. And, you know, obviously, THC has more recreational use. Um, CBD has, you know, limited, quote unquote, recreational use. But generally speaking, you know, THC has a bigger effect in how you feel and you and how you think. And that to me is, you know, sort of a kid friendly way of talking about psychoactivity and how um, THC is a much more controlled substance. But again, you know, I use terms that my kids could understand. Um, they, they did understand legal and illegal by the time we had this conversation. Um, and you know, so, so that, those are the basics. THC affects people differently, and both substances affects, affect kids' bodies and brains differently than they do adults. And I think that's an important part of the messaging, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to how to really have that conversation, break down that conversation about, about this plant. Because, I mean, it's complicated even for adults, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> to understand cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, with kids, like there's there's that extra challenge that they don't have the same kind of life experiences that we do to, to draw on and to compare with. Um, but you know, that's that's generally what I what I do. And then, of course, I can tell you more about you know how I talked about cannabis in general, if you want. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so, okay, let's see. My kids were probably four and seven um, when we first started talking about cannabis, and that was a few years ago. Um, and I said to them, this is, this is cannabis. I actually showed them some flower and I showed them some different products. And I said, this is medicine for a lot of people. Um, for some people, it's a way to relax. And for many of us, it's both. Like for me, it's something that I use both to treat a health condition and because I enjoy the feeling. Um, I told them it's a plant. It's not something that ever should have been, been made illegal. Um, And now that people are learning more about it and attitudes are changing, the laws are also changing. And we lived in California at that time. And so it was easier for me to say, hey, this is legal here where we live. Our state has decided that if you're over 21, you can buy this or over 18 with a medical card. Um, And later we moved to a different state and the conversation had to evolve. (laughs) Um, But I also said that, you know, the effects of this wonderful, healing, helpful plant uh, are different for adults than for kids. And that, you know, for their 
brains that are still growing, their bodies that are still growing, it wouldn't affect them in the same way. And it wouldn't be um, a pleasant experience, for instance, if they happen to come across a THC gummy and eat it, they would not feel good. And, you know, right. might, we might have to go to the hospital even. So, you know, I, I, I made sure to show them what I was talking about, to show them the THC symbol or the pot leaf symbol that's on all edible products, at least in California, that's the case. Um, and I told them, hey, if you see this symbol on, you know, some food, maybe you're at a friend's house and they, you know, you see gummies and it has this symbol on it, don't eat it, you know, let me mm-hmm. know, tell me later. Um, and, you know, not that I would report that parent or anything like that, but I would, you right. know, I would address it, I would speak them because I truly strongly believe it's important to keep kids safe um, if we want to further the, the conversation and you know normalize responsible use like we have to teach kids how to keep themselves safe we have to keep them out of harm's way when it comes to you know ingesting cannabis I mean of course kid no one no one is going to die from an overdose of THC um, right. but we don't want you know uncomfortable uh there's just all sorts of things that that could result that we don't want, right? Right. I would even just interject quickly that if you do find out that your child somehow came across an edible or something at a parent's house, like you said, don't report them because criminalizing a parent is not the way to go. Um, You know, it's have a conversation with that person because there are a bajillion ways that could have happened. So um, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I'm not jumping to conclusions. I mean, I think is important. And and that's where our responsibility as parents come in comes in to, you know, educate our kids, teach them how to keep themselves safe. And that, you know, becomes more complex and more um difficult also as they get older and they get exposed to more things and more, you know, peers and more households. Obviously at this point in the pandemic, no one's getting exposed to anybody else's household, but <laughs> one day I'm assuming this will happen again. <laughs> Right. I have to say, I think I'm a little bit lucky in the sense that I get to start fresh, you know, when it comes to shaping my child's, um, not start fresh, but you know what I mean? I can kind of shape it a little bit more because people who are dealing with it, older children like you, like you, I mean, they, they have so many different outside influences that you have no control over. I mean, we don't have any control over most things, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're right. when your kid is little, you have more control of their media and their, you know, their friend, their peer interactions, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, but we also need to address the many inequities surrounding the plant, which we touched on a little bit earlier, but uh, the many injustices when we talk about it while also being age appropriate, um, we need to work into the conversation, how the systems that continue to provide misinformation and oppressed, marginalized folks still exist. So what we're telling them might not match up to what they're being told at school or by other family members or at the doctor's office, um, et cetera, et cetera, because right now we are kind of in this weird space where some people might not be going everywhere, (laughs) but some people are. Mm -hmm. Um, So we still have to plan for that, you know? Yeah, you're right. And I mean, it's totally true. There is still a tremendous amount of misinformation out there about cannabis, and that's being um, spread by individuals as well as by, you know, state institutions and, you know, programs like DARE. The DARE program still operates in a lot of states, um, and the message has changed a bit, I understand, over time, and it does vary somewhat, but basically it's still a prohibitionist approach. Um, Right. 
And since a lot of people just misunderstand cannabis in any case, I feel like the messages that kids are getting from out in the world, you know, they, while at this point they could be helpful messages, they're not necessarily going to be mm-hmm. so. And so that's why it's particularly important as parents that we have those conversations and, you know, we are a trusted source of information. I think that's super important because if we lie to our kids about cannabis, they won't trust us. I mean, plain and simple. I've, I interviewed so many moms who said something along the lines of, I was told lies about cannabis as a kid. And then when I realized, when I experimented for myself and realized it wasn't true, those those things I was told weren't wasn't true, then I stopped trusting the people who told me those things. And that's the last thing we want as parents. We want our kids to think we have you know, access to reliable information and that we're brave enough to share it with them. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. That's why I'm all about like, get out in front of the conversation, talk about it early and often with kids, even though, you know, it's going to change over time. Like the, the, the message that you give to, you know, a three to six year old is going to be pretty different from that that you give to a teen, but mm-hmm. you know, they're both important. You just basically you're building from, you know, basics to right. more complex information as they get older. Yeah, and I think that it also helps to choose your words wisely Um, because I think about, you know, first of all, the more illicit you make something seem to a child, the more they're going to want to try it. Um, That's just simple truth right there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. I mean, and secondly, they, they repeat your behaviors, right? So what I'm referring to is when I saw my parents smoking cigarettes and they didn't explain it to me why it was bad. So I wanted to try it and I did, and I became a smoker. And so Mm. what I'm saying is if they had said, look, this is a highly addictive thing and I, and it can destroy your body. And that's why we don't want you to do this. Then I would say, okay, that makes sense. Um, because (laughs) when I was given the truth about things, like the one time they did tell me the truth was about, you know, um, LSD, things like that. You know, I, obviously I still would try it later on, but, (laughs) 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 um, I'm saying like, if I, I, I would do my own research and I did, and I find out, okay, like that is true. But when you make it like, this is, this is only for me, you can't have it. It's poison. Especially I hate when people use the word poison. Mm -hmm. when they're referring to something that's supposed to heal somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, So if, even if you are using the word medicine, which I'm still like, not even sure exactly, I guess, you know, plant medicine, that's the best way to do it. But then I, I start to wonder about, you know, like pharmaceuticals and how you differentiate. Um, Mm -hmm. But the poison, the poison part, I don't like, I don't like the poison stickers on on cannabis, because it's like, like you said, the worst that you may have to go to the hospital. So I guess technically, it could be in a way. I don't know. I think that's something I need to work out more on my own end. But (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's complex. And, you know, how we choose to speak about it definitely has to do with, you know, how we use cannabis, why we use cannabis, our, you know, our family situation and, um, you know, and how we were raised and what kind of environment we want to cultivate for our own families. And I know for myself, like I, I highly value honesty with my kids to the extent that they're ready for it, you know, in age appropriate ways. Like I'm definitely not a this information is not for you kind of parent, I'm a, hey, let's, let's talk about it in a way that you can understand. 
kind of parent. Um, and I think that more and more, like that's the way our culture is going. And, you know, the, the kind of parenting that you, that you referenced, you know, in growing up in the, in the seventies, eighties and nineties, I was born in 1979. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I was a kid in the eighties and the nineties. Um, and you, you know, probably were a kid for part of those times too. Um, it was just a really different atmosphere, the way that people raised kids and the, you know, the amount of, I guess, thoughtfulness that people put into how, the, how honest they wanted to be carried. Right? <laughs> like zero amount. Yes. Um, yes. I'm 82 over here. So yeah. And, and it's like, it just cracks me up to think about, I mean, it's not, it's not really that funny, but it's like, it's more like a, I had to crack you know, laugh to not cry kind of a thing. Um, yeah. yeah I but hear when you. you think about how, um, you know, our, my parents, especially if they had changed their viewpoint on alcohol and cigarettes and pharmaceuticals, but then the eighties was just like, Hey, guess what? These things are awesome. So, <laughs> you know, some people just really held on to that. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And but to think about how differently everything can go if we all had something like um, some of these children's books that are coming out and books like your book, by the way, which we're going to talk about more in a minute. But I mean, it's like it it's so awesome in so many ways that people are finally having these conversations. But it's also like, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where where do we start? I mean, it's tough. So, you know, so in the book, I do talk about, I do break it down by ages, um, you know, starting from zero to two. And it's a very, you know, very, very simple thing, which is basically, you know, you don't have to talk about it at all. Just padlock and keep, you know, padlock your cannabis and keep your, keep your little one safe. That's, that's the main thing. And then, you know, starting with when they're verbal, um, moving up all the way until teenage. And, like I said, it just it's it's a message that doesn't change fundamentally as they get older. It just gets increasingly more nuanced. Um, and you know, with with younger ones, I think the message is very clear to say this is something for adults um, for now, and it's something that when you're an adult, you can make your own decisions about. I use it for these reasons. It helps, you know. For instance, with my kids, I said I, I use it because it helps me with pain when I have migraines. Um, it helps me with an autoimmune condition that I have, but I also mm-hmm. enjoy the way I feel and I feel relaxed. I feel more in tune. I feel more um, connected to my kids when I'm microdosing or moderate dosing cannabis. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's something that they can also see. My kids are old enough that they can tell um, that, you know, I'm pretty nice to be around when, <laughs> when I start. when I enjoy cannabis. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, also, like, I'm very mindful of not overusing when they're awake and when, you know, when when I'm with them, when I have responsibility for my kids. If I'm, you know, if if I'm co-parenting with my husband and, um, you know, it's evening and they've gone to sleep, then I might use a little bit more. But otherwise, I always keep it to a place where I can I can still meaningfully interact with them. And I think, you know, that model is important. And, you know, I'm not saying that to be like, well, look what a great, awesome parent I am. But (laughs) to say instead that like, you know, our choices and our modeling really do matter in terms of the messages we give them. And my kids get message from my usage and what they can see of my usage that, you know, that I'm a responsible user and that I can still take care of them when I'm, you know, when I'm elevated. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I don't drive. I don't, you know, do risky things with them. You know, we do things like crafting and, you know, hanging out and reading and, you know, walking and playing with our dog and very low risk activities. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's just wild to me because I think about 
all of the cues as a child, you know, like, oh, my parents going to drink coffee. That's going to make them in a better mood. You know, <laughs> oh, he's going to drink another beer. That's going to make him in a worse mood. And it's just mm. to think about what it would be like to have your child be like, okay, well, this is just, it's just how it is. You know, like this just makes your quality of life better all around, not just situationally, but all around, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, bringing it into conversations at those different times is important. And also cannabis is, um, is the perfect lens to start talking to kids of like, you know, elementary school age, I'd say like seven and up um, about social justice and, um, you know, the, the righteousness of certain laws and the unrighteousness of certain laws. I mean, I don't really use that word that often. It's odd right. that came out, but, <laughs> but you know, the fact that, that some things are illegal because they're wrong, right? And right. some things are illegal because we don't understand them well enough. And cannabis is one of those things. And, you know, and, and I, I have spoken to my kids about how um, social and racial justice absolutely you know, comes into the cannabis conversation. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're not too young to learn the basic outlines of how we live in an unjust and unequal society. And it's our responsibility to help make that, you know, to, to help change that. Yeah, I mean, I think there is no template, but I think that we're all collectively trying to find a better way to explain it to children. But it is difficult when we can't understand it ourselves. Um, like, why there are so many people in prison for a plant that improves the quality of life for people. Yeah, I know. It's mind-boggling, and it's something that, you know, it, as sad as it is, I think it's, it's a good way to illustrate for kids, like, hey, there, there are certain things that are, you know, codified by our society, by our government into law mm -hmm. that are not right. Right. There's certain ways our mm -hmm. system works that, that are completely unjust. And so, you know, to point out, like, hey, here are the ways we think that, it, you know, our laws make sense. And here are the ways or the examples that we think our laws don't make sense. And, you know, what can we do to help change that? And, you know, being being an activist is something that I think we can, you know, we can teach, we can impart from a pretty early age. Yeah. And having like a local field trip that is socially distant, you know, with your children and your family, um, where you can show them different plants, maybe go on a trail walk, or um, maybe if they're older, you can take them on a farm tour or a grow tour if you're in that kind of state and it's legal and it's available. Um, find them as many children's books as possible that come anywhere <laughs> close to broaching the topic. That's right. And I know there are a couple of good ones. Um, I know that you know one um, that I've read is Just a Plant by Ricardo Cortez. And I think that's, that's a good one. That's kind of a classic at this point. Oh, yes. And um, yes, A Very Special Garden, um, which was written by Miss Kindness B. It's on misskindness.com. And it's, I think it's geared toward like nine and older. Mm -hmm. um, as far as very young, I have yet to find an, an ex a book that actually, you know, tackles the conversation with cannabis, but I know people are, there's things in the works. I know that the people are working on things, but, um, you know, right now we're all just trying to navigate this, <laughs> I think in our own way. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, as legalization progresses throughout the United States, I mean, it is absolutely, we're moving forward. <laughs> that's for sure. 
people like it or not, we're moving forward in this legalization thing. And most people do like it. Um, I think that as it becomes more normalized, more children's media is going to come out around this because there's going to be more demand for it, right? There's well, that's be, true. You know, like people are going to write books and maybe, you know, have some cute video or audio um, because, you know, it's, it's something that I think deserves to be to be spoken more about. And that's really why I wrote the book. I mean, besides offering like uh, conscious consumption guidelines for, for moms, it's also to push this cultural conversation forward because if we're, if we're going from prohibition to normalization, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of conversation that needs to happen in the middle, you know, with, right. with our families and our friends and everybody. We are just skimming the surface, truly. I mean, I've written about <laughs> different aspects of this throughout the last few years, and I still have not even really gone in. And it's like just even skimming the surface of um, the the child protective services and child custody issues that surround this and divorce settlements and the way it impacts your adoption and all of that. It's like the thing that I keep thinking about is I wonder how fast we'll approach the normalization around conversations with children when parents are still having to hide so much. It's like you have to hide it, but you're being public about it. You know what I mean? It's, it's such a weird dichotomy it's I, I don't know I don't yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> there are so many questions absolutely and I mean I think that as we just as we continue to, it's it's a, it's a slow painful process basically right mm -hmm. just like so many cultural changes you know that we've undergone as a society this is this is one of them um right. but you know it, it's just my hope that that this book and all of the other media that's coming out around cannabis and all the legalization measures around the country are just pushing this conversation further and further. Like, you know, we're gaining momentum, we're going, and at some point, in some point, it'll be something that's not a big deal. I feel that. I think that by the time our kids are adults and having their own children, maybe, um, it's just going to be a very different conversation. I hope so. I mean, really, the only thing I think about, um, uh, when I think of the hope about it is like alcohol prohibition, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about what short time, what a, a short time span <laughs> elapsed before everyone was just like, okay, whatever, alcohol, no big deal. You know, <laughs> After prohibition. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, the funny thing about alcohol is that like it was legal, then it was illegal. And then it was right. legal again. Yeah. And then that's the case for, for, you know, for cannabis, cannabis. too, just not in our lifetime. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. And, yeah, but I think absolutely. about the people that were in in prohibition that weren't allowed to have the alcohol, and then they probably never thought there would be a day where people were just like literally spilling it in the streets and throwing it out of the windows and things like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, could, it, could, it could very well be. I mean, it's it's interesting. Someone once told me, and I haven't actually researched this, so this is just hearsay, <laughs> but someone said to me something along the lines of, after prohibition, people needed education about how to consume just like they need education about how to consume cannabis now because that's of a good the point prohibited status and the lack of information the lack of sort of you know free-flowing information about the topic you know because I, I don't really drink alcohol but anymore 
but I know, you know, I know the basic guidelines around drinking alcohol. I know that, you know, champagne is for brunch and, you know, wine is for dinner. And, you know, there are all these, these things. And of course you can break those rules, but basically I'm talking about sort of the norms around alcohol consumption had to be developed over time. And, you know, just like the norms about cannabis use have to be developed over time. And we're in the process of doing that. Like we're, we're on the forefront of doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I didn't mean to sound like I had absolutely no hope. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't take it that way. I didn't, I'm just. And I have to be honest. I think I keep saying I have to be honest. That's my catchphrase for today. (laughs) I'm always honest, but um, (laughs) I think it's so, so helpful to have books out there like the one that you wrote. And I really love your writing from one writer to another. I really enjoy how you write, like for real. I really do. I I stayed up past my bedtime last night reading. And um, so anyone happy, I mean, I hope you're not tired, but that makes me happy. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm always tired. You know that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's 2020. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm an insomniac. So I mean, having a toddler has changed that. But you know, it's, it's definitely good to have something really excellent to read when it comes to cannabis, because, you know, we do a lot of research as writers. So sometimes it can be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yeah. I do know. <laughs> so yeah, it was refreshing. I loved, I loved it. Um, I mean, I'm still reading it and I'm early on, but I am so excited for anyone who wins a copy of um, your book and also anyone who buys it when it's available but we are doing a giveaway um, and we're extending it from our last, our last episode uh, that we did this. So um, if you email your highness podcast at gmail.com and just send like one line or two about how cannabis has helped you as a parent or with your parents, anything that really has to do with cannabis and parenting and how you think it helps. Um, and you'll be entered to win a copy of Danielle's book when it comes out December 29th, right? That's right. Rounding the corner here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I mean, I was very fortunate to get an advanced copy, but I am so excited to get a paper copy and to send it out as presents. So I Aww, definitely thanks. recommend it for anyone who can get their hands on it. Um, so before we end today, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Any call to action or anything specific you'd like to promote aside from your book? Hmm. I know you've had some great articles recently. You want to talk about that? Well, I've been I've been <laughs> fascinated delving into the psychedelic space and I've been um, really encouraged by the fact that um, decriminalization measures are, are getting passed uh, mm-hmm. in various places. I covered the Washington, D.C., where I used to live. I used to live in D.C. for nine years. I went to grad school there, and my husband and I moved there right after getting married. So it's, you know, it has a special place in my heart. Um, And D.C. just voted to decriminalize all entheogens, psilocybin and, you know, iboga and and, uh, peyote-containing cactuses and ayahuasca and all that good stuff. And I just, I'm really encouraged and hopeful by these, like, local measures that are passing basically left and right. I feel like plant medicine is something that has a big future. Um, And, you know, especially now when people are 
realizing the mental health benefits of all these different plant medicines as opposed to, you know, pharmaceuticals. And I'm not like anti-pharmaceutical, but I'm like cautious about pharmaceuticals. And I think that, you know, plant medicine offers alternatives for some people and, you know, maybe for many people. Um, so yeah, I'm super encouraged by that. And I feel like we're going to be making a better world going forward. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And I'm not anti um, pharmaceutical either. I know I sound like it. I am mostly, but (laughs) that's, um, but I understand that is only accessible for some people. Some people only have access to pharmaceuticals. And sometimes there are certain things that only pharmaceuticals can handle, at least right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm also not shaming anyone for that. Um, But I do think that you know, we all need to have a little bit more of an open mind <laughs> um, when it comes to that. So, yeah. 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 Take your health into your own hands. I mean, that, you know, that's my philosophy. I'm not advocating. Yeah. For else, but I think that, you know, doing, doing research and, and self-experimentation is something that um, has really helped me like from a, just from a powered person. Perspective. You have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own advocate when it comes to healthcare. Um, there's just really no option unless you just, Unless you just want to throw it all out in there and see what sticks. Like if you actually want <laughs> to take control of your own health, you have to be your own health advocate. You have to you just have to, uh, because the healthcare system is broken severely. Totally um, agree, and especially if you're a woman, you have to yeah. advocate for yourself. Hell yeah! <laughs> and you have an autoimmune disease. And <laughs> uh, uh-huh. let me go on and on and on. But anyway, <laughs> you write about uh, that, Diana. Well, yes, I do all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, do you write about the healthcare system and self-advocating and stuff? I do. I do. Oh, that's um, awesome. As often as I can, because there's just, yeah, I think there is this inherent need to uh, glorify healthcare professionals. And I think that while there is definitely a lot to herald and respect and honor when it comes to certain professions, I think that... Um, you know, patients need to be heard and respected as well. So absolutely. Yeah, that's my stance. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, back to parenting and cannabis. Um, I'm hoping that you'll come back and talk about it again at any time. Um, I'd like to continue the conversation. And I mean, there's so many chapters to delve into, but I know that we're, this is an ongoing conversation and, 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 an ever-changing landscape so for sure as it should be you know that's that's a big message of the book is like you can't have a one-and-done kind of conversation it's not like no hey I told you about cannabis that one time right (laughs) yeah this is your this is your brain on drugs like that doesn't work anymore (laughs) no absolutely not It's, it's a constantly evolving thing just like parenting in general I mean we have to revisit the same topics again and again and again you know Right. So where can people find you and support you or how can they support you and where can they find you? <laughs> well, my, my website, my author website is DanielleSimoneBrand.com. Um, and there are links to buy the book at various um, retailers there. You can also just find Weed Mom on Amazon. If you want to support a uh, small business, bookshop.org is a great place to buy books and you can buy my book there. Barnes and Noble, um, all the other booksellers, Powell's, Indie Books. I recently found out I'm on Walmart.com, so that's Ooh. kind of interesting. <laughs> Never expected it. Um, 
so yeah, any, any place that you buy books or most places you buy books, you can find mine. Um, yeah. And thank you so much. I really super appreciate the opportunity to come on and um, chatting with you is always interesting. <laughs> I mean, interesting and fun. And like, we always, you know, we always yeah. get, get to some cool stuff. Yeah. I, I've heard it before. <laughs> Oh, no, not interesting in a bad way. Interesting in the best way. I know. <laughs> You're funny. Um, so, yes, one more time before we end, email us your entries for the giveaway at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. Um, and that's just sending a, a note or just a little small note, uh, a line or two about how cannabis helps you as a parent. We'll keep it anonymous. We won't say your name on the air on the air <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast um and if you would like to follow us on twitter we're at highness podcast and on instagram it's at your highness podcast so until next time stay high and beautiful bye bye thanks for listening you can find us on instagram at your highness podcast or on twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.